Hi, everyone. Before we get started on today's episode, we'd just like to hear a quick word from our sponsor. Hair by Escandalo and The Other Side are sister businesses that work together to provide everything from awesome haircuts and colors to waxing services, facials, makeup, lash extensions, and nails. The salon offers a wide array of talented specialty stylists and offers virtual consultations before your color appointments to ensure you get what you're expecting. The Other Side is a boutique spa and clothing store featuring jewelry from different artists all over the country and curated upcycled fashion. None of their services or clothing are gendered, so everyone can feel safe and included from start to finish. Want an appointment? Visit their website, escandalohair.com, or on Instagram at escandalohair for the online booking link. 10% off your services if you mention But What Do We Know podcasts. Thank you so much to Escandalo, and let's get on with today's episode. Everybody, welcome to But What Do We Know podcast, episode one hundred forty-five. I'm Marissa, and I'm Anna. Oh my God, we're back! Back, coming back from a was a two-week hiatus. We we did have a little hiatus. There's a lot of stuff going on. There was a lot of stuff going on. I wouldn't have given it my best. Understandable, understandable. Well, how does it feel to be a wife now? Um, it feels it feels good, but the same. Yeah. It feels, it feels really nice, (laughs) but it's not, I think like, I think when people started asking other people that question, it was back in the day when like you didn't live with your husband. Yeah. Or you got like married in your like early twenties. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't changed my name yet though. I haven't either. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, I started the process. Like I started looking online, like what I need to do, like the paperwork and stuff. And it might be easier for you, but when I started looking at the paperwork, because I wasn't born in the United States, they needed like other, I think, I think they need my passport, but I think you can just do everything by mail, but I don't want to send my passport, like my original passport in the mail. No. So I have to like make an appointment to the social security office and go down there. And that's like a whole day's ordeal. Yeah. So I haven't, I haven't done it yet. See, you can't do anything online. Everything you have to do in person. Oh, so you can't even mail the paperwork for, for your last name to get changed? No, I have to go there. Oh, okay. So maybe it's the same thing. Maybe they just need different documents from me because I'm not a citizen, but I don't know. Well, well I am a citizen now, but I wasn't born here. <laughs> You're not I, a citizen. I am a citizen. I have a U.S. passport. <laughs> You're lying. <laughs> Yeah, and I was going to do it, and then I was like, oh, I'll do it, like, during my maternity leave, and then my maternity leave ends in a week, and I haven't done it, so no. <laughs> I'll get it done at some point. It's just, like, a whole process. How are you doing? <laughs> Not good. 
I don't want to go back. I, I wouldn't either. I don't blame you at all. I like real. I was texting my coworker today, and I was like, I just literally have no motivation to work like at all. No, nope. Why would you? Oh, it's. I know it's like it's gonna be good to get back into routine and everything. But the <laughs> but like that's what people say to make you feel better about a shitty situation. It's true. We gonna oh. <laughs> get into routine. <laughs> And everyone's like, oh, daycare's going to be so good for Remy. And he's going to socialize. I'm like, yeah, you can socialize with me. <laughs> he only needs to socialize with me. <laughs> uh, but, like, I'm starting to, like, get everything together. Because, like, the house is still, like, not 100% where I want it to be. Because yeah. it just takes forever to, like, settle in and everything. So this week I'm trying to, like, get things a little bit organized. And, like, you know, prepare, like... Right. It's like not to like bring a lunch to work, and it's just yeah. like, like it's just it's not annoying. any better. It didn't get better while you've been gone. No. It didn't get better in the workforce. No, 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 no. And like I bought um as you get like all of Remy's stuff together for daycare, like and I bought oh. little um labels with his name on it. Cause I have to label his bottles and all his stuff for daycare, and I'm just like, these little bottles. <laughs> So that's 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 me. <laughs> oh. Um, speaking of which, how was uh your wedding? Um, it was great. It was the best day ever. <laughs> yeah, like not fun. even being sarcastic. It was a good time. It was a great time. Yeah. I'm at first I was like it, like I didn't get the like post depression as hard as I thought I would cuz I'm like I mean, it's not like my life's over. Like, we're still going to do fun things. But I'm like, that was, like, really fun. Everything was really fun. It was really sweet. It was a very nice wedding. And everyone had like, a really good Like, it was perfect. Time. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was good vibes. Good vibes. Good vibes. And everyone was... I came into work on whatever day I came into work Tuesday last week and they're like everyone was so nice like they're like everybody there was so nice and I'm like that's yeah that was like the most social you'll ever see me was like I but you did great thank you it was I it was the best day ever of my whole life so yeah it was so awesome and we had quite a few BWDWK people there Oh, Mary was, was there. Sabrina. Mary. Um. Well, Kyle of course Kyle, was there. Kyle Justin, Justin, Zach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Zach was not clothed half of the yes, wedding. Yes, I recall that. Um, I we were talking. Well, me and Eric were talking to Kyle and Justin, and we were talking about doing a crossover episode. Yes. And oh my God. but yeah, no, it was great. I'm. I, I wish that I could have a wedding every weekend. Oh, good for you, because I would not. <laughs> you're, like, you're crazy. You can have we another did. wedding since I'm not having one. You can have I'll one I'll have me. one for you. <laughs> In my honor. We, um, the next morning, though, was like... Rough. The, I, I gotta say, though, they, what they, what they say about weddings, how you don't really, like, eat or drink mm-hmm. very much is, well... Our people were really good. They always made sure we had a drink. They always right. made sure we had food. 
but like it was definitely not one of those things where like I felt very present the whole time like there was like not as like I remember everything very clearly like so I felt really good about that I forget where I was going oh so like the next morning I didn't feel too bad we were dealing with that and then we had to load all I mean I didn't really load anything but the pinball machines all had to go but I oh my god I wanted to tell you I drove a (gasps) U-Haul What? <laughs> I know. Um, wild. Were you nervous uh, the whole time? I know. Oh my god, so nervous. <laughs> I won't even drive a U-Haul. When I moved from the apartment to where me and Eric lived before here, we had to get a U-Haul. And I was like, I'm not fucking driving it. <laughs> like, someone else can drive the U-Haul. <laughs> so scary, but it was okay. Oh, God bless you. I was so proud of myself because Cliff's like, you know what? You're going to have to suck it up. He's like, we got to do this. You got to do it. It's not a far drive. And I'm like, damn, Fuck. Cliff became a husband, started giving you orders. I guess like, yeah, come on, your wife now. Like, that doesn't have anything to do. It doesn't take my anxiety way of driving a pickup truck or whatever. But I did it. I did it. So it did make me feel good about myself afterwards. See, now you can do anything. You can drive anywhere in, in any not. car. Probably not. I saw you commented on Facebook, um, Christina's thing, that you guys were thinking about getting a Bronco. And yeah. I was like, Marissa's not driving a fucking Bronco anywhere. Yo, I, I well, because we need a big car, so we were looking at that because, like, my manager has one, and I was like, I like the yellow one. What? <laughs> probably not. It'll probably be something much smaller, but still. <laughs> I was looking at it. It's not a lie. Eric's Eric was looking at a Bronco Sport. Um, yeah, they're nice. I think he's leaning more toward the Jeep Compass because when we talked to the Ford guy about getting a Bronco Sport, they told us it's going to be like like four to six months before they can get one. Like, oh my in, god! Like, because they have to order. You have to order any car now. But yeah, yeah. I was like, that's a really long time to wait for a car. Yeah, I don't think I'm anything else has happened did you cry um at your wedding so tell me why 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 do you cry tell me why 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 do you cry oh it pushed you to the brink in your car or by the kitchen sink tell me why i did i cried like four times Like, very quiet cries. Like, very, like, well, I don't know. I'm not, like, a, like, crier. (laughs) But Cliff is. Cliff was definitely crying at your wedding. He is a crier. When I saw Cliff crying, I started crying. (laughs) (laughs) I was crying at the ceremony. Like, I I was, like, I held it together. Because I cry at every single wedding I go to. Like, even if I don't know the people getting married, I cry. Um, so I was like wondering, like, when's it going to hit me at this? Like, when am I going to cry? So I cried first time at the ceremony and I was okay until I saw Cliff crying. I'm like, fuck. Then I started crying. It's rough. It's real rough. He, I first cried when I was coming down the aisle and Cliff started crying and then Andy's head tilted (laughs) when he saw me and my dad. And I was like, no, this is too much. And I almost uh, ruined your ceremony because I had my phone in my pocket and I didn't silence <laughs> it. And my phone was like oh. underneath my dress. I'd like hike up my dress during oh, vow yeah. exchanges and like. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. I wouldn't have it any other way. 
<laughs> but it did. I, I turned my phone off before the ceremony really started. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm proud. <laughs> yeah, so now we're old. We're an old married couple. Welcome to the club that I joined like a month before you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're no, you're an even older married couple and parents. That we are. That we are. Um, so how's my little Remy? Little Angel. He's good. We're, um, so my new thing is like trying to transition from purees to baby led weaning. <gasps> so cute. And so like, for people who like don't know, um, baby led weaning is like, I think it's kind of newer. Like people yeah. have been doing it. So instead of giving babies purees, you give them like real people food but you like mm-hmm. cut them up into sizes that are appropriate for their age and the whole point of it is to have them be exposed to different textures and flavors and like know like right. how to feed themselves and like know when they're full and blah blah blah, blah. um but it's very anxiety inducing sure. because there's a choking risk to it right so i have there's like a an app you can like download and so I've like only been looking at foods that have like minimal choking risks, but I'm like, I, this kid can only eat so much like tofu and zucchini. Like, I know, but he <laughs> likes it. He really likes tofu. He did. So, um, but then like you, you have to like know how to um, like rescue them if they start choking. Yeah. So I was like, what? Like, and I haven't taken a class. I just like watch like YouTube videos on like how to do yeah. it. But I'm like, I'm like like easing my way into it like i don't want to give him anything like too crazy but it's like hard to find what i'm comfortable with giving him you know (sighs) he seems like he does a really good job yeah he's he's like gagged a couple times and like the other thing is like gagging is like normal because like the gagging prevents them from choking but it's like watching him like gag i'm like oh my god i'm like is this it this is the one this is it (laughs) we were on we this is like a totally aside topic real quick but like we were on the motorcycle today and um a literal baby ran out in the middle of the street what? and i was like i'm not even joking like i don't even think cliff and i talked about this but i we were going we had an appointment at the bank and we we're coming back and there's like a side street and i just see he maybe was like two like boop, 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 like full-blown running and i'm like oh my god and he and the mom just like ran in and just like Jesus like I'm like what the fuck like you could tell she was like not watching him yeah like not that i'm judging her just she was in the looking she must have turned around for like one second right right and he went pew, oh across and i'm like thank god though like that there was no other traffic you know what i mean that it was just us on a motorcycle like not going in that direction I'm like, but yeah, I can't even imagine. Like, <gasps> I'm like terrified when Remy becomes mobile because he like already wants to like get going. He just like physically cannot. <laughs> just like, I'm like, dude, makes me nervous. Um, I hope that when Remy's older, that we can have he can sleep over our house. Yeah, Will you let him I'm or like, be too scared. Yeah, I think like when he is like more independent, <laughs> right? Like you guys don't have to worry about him choking on like tofu. <laughs> exactly. I'm, no, like when he's like li- when he he can have like and maybe he, like, like wipe a sleepover his own with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'm like good at that shit. <laughs> People think just because I don't want my own kids that I'm not good. I'm like very good with kids. Yeah, you used to nanny. Yeah, I'm like 
I love I love little kids. I just wouldn't like my own. Yeah. Oh yeah, take them whenever. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> I was like, whenever. Anna probably doesn't older. trust us. <laughs> she probably thinks we're irresponsible, but I'm like, I'm ir- I'm super responsible. No, I know you. I trust you with with baby. I think it, when he gets more into like he doesn't need a nap every like two to three hours and like doesn't need to yeah. eat every couple of hours then like yeah go sleep wherever you want Rami. Oh my god yes <laughs> we will have so much fun. Cliff will teach him. We just had it when our DJ was over his little boy came with him and he just played pinball in our house for Aww. like two hours. It was so fun. No, I'm munchkin. <sighs> well wait so did you cry? Oh, yeah, I cried at your wedding. Um, oh, I guess I'm, it's the same, yeah. Yeah, I cried at your wedding. Um, I surprisingly did not cry when I damaged my vehicle yesterday. Oh, I know, I saw that. <laughs> I was so pissed off. I was at, um, I was out to lunch with my friend and with the baby, and we were in the parking lot. And I go to park my car, and it was, like, a little bit further away from where the the place was. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, is there a closer spot? Because I don't want to, like, have to walk so far with the car seat and everything. So I was like, oh, right. there's, like, a closer spot. So I go into the spot, and, like, it's right by the, the curb for the pedestrian walkway. But, like, right, like, be, right at the corner, like, where my car is, where you park... It's like a sign that's it's like a pedestrian crossing sign and it's like painted on the ground and i remember when i pulled in i like made a mental note of this sign i'm like this is a very poorly p- placed sign like why is it like yeah on the fucking road and i remember when i parked i was like that's so stupid and so then we left the restaurant and i back out of my spot and i started to turn to go into the road and i just hear like a crunch oh and i'm like the worst sound fuck so i got out of my car and kristen was with me and at first i like just glanced and i was like oh it's like fine and Kristen's like is it bad i'm like no and then i look like oh wait I'm like no it's, it's bad <laughs> it's like pretty bad <laughs> and she's oh. like oh no uh then i got back into my car and now my door is like doesn't close that great like it's like stuck oh, a little bit i was like oh no it's fucking bad it's bad so, uh, and I have to go to work next week, so I'm, <laughs> I have to get, I'm, I, I'll have a rental when it's in the shop, but it's just, like, yeah. annoying, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's very annoying. And I, like, just, I jinxed, my, jinxed myself, too, because literally the other day I was saying, I forget who I was talking to, but I said to someone, I was like, oh, this car's been, like, doing pretty good for me, like, usually every car I get, I, like, fuck it up within a month or two. No. Yeah. And I'm like, I fucking jinxed myself. I this is I got this car right before the pandemic, November 2019. And I'm like, yeah. been doing great. And now I fucked it up. But it's fine. Yeah. I mean It's okay, it'll be okay. Pave the deductible and get it fixed. But that's me. Um I'm sure there'll be plenty more tears for me next week when I go back to work oh. and Remy starts daycare. So I'm saving, I'm saving up my tears for that. Oh, it'll. I would say it'll be okay, but it probably will suck. <laughs> I know. It's gonna like, suck. I'm not just trying to be realistic. It probably will <laughs> suck. You posted something about um, like going back to work after people having babies, and then I started showing up on my TikTok things like that, and I was like, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> But I won't. We won't dwell on that it's topic. Fine. It's fine. I'll just have to we deal won't. with it. Well, at least I know now that my breast milk tastes good, um, according to three it people. Does. 
Was it me, Caitlin, and Steve? Yeah. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> I was literally pumping in the next room and I come out with my milk and um, Steve was there and he was like, Yo, can I have some? And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, like, sure. Sure. <laughs> He's like, Yeah. And, and Jen was like, what? And he's like, dude, like, breast milk's like the most nutritious it's, thing it's for so you. It's so good for you. <laughs> yeah. It's so good for you. Definitely. It was so, I was like, it's like, it tastes like, uh, have you ever tried your own breast milk? No. You should try it. I'm serious. <laughs> you should try it. Uh, it was funny. It was one of my favorite memes. <laughs> and then Kate's like, oh, I have some. I was like, all right. <laughs> Did I t- well, Kaylin came down. Uh, we, I was dancing on the dance on the dance floor, obviously, and she's like, "Yo, guess what? Breast milk shots upstairs now." And I was sitting with, or no, I was sitting with Shayna, and our friend Joe was standing there talking with us, and he's like, "Breast milk shots from you to Shayna," because Shayna's like very clearly pregnant, yeah. and she's like, "No." <laughs> obviously not i've been sitting here the whole time that's a our brief catch-up very brief as always brief (laughs) all right um should we get into it i guess we probably should okay um i don't think we did this topic it was another one that i (laughs) thought that we did but i think it's just because i heard it on other podcasts that i thought we did it but i don't think we did so I'm going to do, well, tell you about the 1991 Austin yogurt shop murders. No, we didn't, but I've definitely heard of this one before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, um, and I guess I don't really know that we need a content warning on the show anymore, no. but like, it's like gruesome, so prepare yeah. yourself. I've tried to be like that as detailed, but... So, this is December 6, 1991. Um, around 12 a.m., a patrol officer was, you know, making his rounds um, in Austin, and he noticed a fire coming from a frozen yogurt shop called I Can't Believe It's Yogurt. <laughs> I can't believe that somebody approved of that name. <laughs> It's a chain. There's like multiple of them. Ew. <laughs> and like okay. totally off topic, but the entire time I was doing these notes, I was like, man, I haven't had Froyo in so long. <laughs> I really wanted the, the one where you like serve yourself and put all the toppings on it. Do you remember the one in Dixon City? Oh my God, it was my favorite. TCBY. TCB, that's one of the one I was thinking. Because <sighs> one of the podcasts I listened to, they're like, I think... I can't believe it's yogurt is abbreviated ICBIY. And I was like, wait, did we have an ICBIY? And I'm like, no, we had a TCBY. No, TCBY. <laughs> oh, I love TCBY. I would oh, die so for some right now. Um, it's not there anymore, you know. I know. Anyway. Um, so anyway, he saw this yogurt shop was on fire, so he called it into dispatch. Um, and another cop heard the, the call come in. Um, that cop, his name was John Jones, so he showed up to the fire as well. So John Jones, he actually had a TV crew with him because they were filming a ride-along. So okay. the camera crew came with him to this yogurt shop on fire. So like all of like the initial response to this fire is caught on camera, which was like kind of like a big thing. Um, 
so then firefighters get there and they obviously put the fire out and then they make their way into well as they're making their way into the building they make a gruesome discovery so they find four nude bodies Mm. all of them were shot execution style with oh my god i believe a 22 caliber and a 38 caliber gun to the back of the head so the bodies were of 13 year old amy ayers 17 year old eliza thomas 17 year old jennifer harbison and her younger sister 15 year old sarah so jennifer and eliza um, the older girls, the 17-year-olds, they actually worked there. They were employees at the yogurt shop. And Sarah and Amy were friends that were going there um, to get a ride home with Jennifer. I think they were having like a sleepover, so they were at a mall that was nearby. Aww. So they were just going to go wait for the sister to be done off of her shift and then drive them home. Yeah. So the shop closed at 11 p.m. Um, and... The, in one room, they discovered um, Sarah. Uh, her hands were bound behind her back with a pair of panties. And she was gagged and she had been raped. She was oh my God. the youngest one. She was... Oh, no, sorry. She's not the youngest. She was the 15-year-old one. Um, then also in that room was Jennifer. Um, her hands were also behind her back, but she was not bound. And then Eliza's body was also there, and she was gagged, and her hands were bound behind her back. All of their bodies were, like, extremely charred. Um, The one podcast I listened to said, like, they were almost, like, you couldn't tell if it was male or female, like, their ages. Like, it was really bad. Um, And then in another room, they found Amy. So she had first and second degree burns and the beginning stages of third degree burns. She had some kind of cloth around her neck, um, and she was also shot in the back of the head. However, one the first bullet missed her brain, but then she had a second bullet that caused severe damage to the brain. Ugh. So, three girls in one room, and then Amy in the other room. So, the theory that the investigators came up with was that they believe that the killer or the killers had stacked all four girls' bodies on top of one another in one room. But Amy wasn't killed after the first gunshot wound. So she, they think, pulled herself out from the girls that she was stacked between and crawled her way into another room. Um, And they believe that because... um, Sarah and Eliza's bodies were still stacked on one another and then Jennifer's body was near them but Amy was in another room so they think Amy was trying to make her way out to get help and then the killer saw and then shot her again in the head um uh, a lot of the evidence obviously was destroyed by the fire but also from like the smoke and water damage from the firefighters putting it out and you know firefighters were going in and out of the buildings like doing you know their job trying to see if there was anyone to recover you know whatever but in doing so a lot of evidence was ruined um at the crime scene so very very gruesome discovery um, the town was obviously rocked. Um, four teenage girls murdered in a yogurt shop, um, and the building set on fire. 
So then they started trying to figure out, obviously, what happened, try to get witness reports. So witnesses reported that about an hour before closing, there was a man at the yogurt shop, um, and the girls let him use the bathroom in the back of the store. Um, They said that he was back there for a while, so they think he may have propped the back door open as maybe, like, his escape out of the building. Yeah. Um, one couple interviewed, they reported that when they left the yogurt shop right before 11 p.m., there were two men sitting at a table who were acting suspiciously. Um, now, the store policy at, I can't believe it's yogurt, was that they can close the shop 10 minutes before close. Um, if they have customers that are still in the store, they can close the door so more customers don't come in. Mm-hmm. And then the customers that they have, once they're ready to leave at 11 o'clock, then you can like unlock the doors to let them out. So they believed that since the last couple was there right before 11, they believed that one of the girls working closed the door so more customers wouldn't come in, And but they let those yeah. two guys stay at the table until they were done. Um. Now, there's also part of the evidence that they uncovered was that that table where those two men were sitting, they well, all the tables had napkin holders, but the table where those men were sitting, their napkin holder was empty, so they believed that the girls didn't get around to cleaning and restocking the table where they were sitting, and so the meaning that those men didn't leave, because had they had left, they would have restocked the they napkin holder. They would have stocked it. So... Um, the a lot of people say like, okay, these are the two guys. Like, who are these two men? Because they are probably your your biggest suspects. Your main suspects. Yeah. But I was reading this, and I was like, I know this was like the '90s, but I would never let two teenage girls close up a yogurt shop at 11 p.m. by themselves. I mean, you would think that that would be like the logical thing right. to do. I don't know. Maybe they did yeah i mean i did they definitely did because there was no adults there but i mean like even when we worked at starbucks like i mean we were all i mean we had a couple of teenagers there but we were i don't think any teenager closed the store by themselves no and there was always someone like in a shift like a supervisor, supervisor. position present yeah and i think was it always two or three of us i think it would be like three of us that would close at night yeah i, I think it was always three yeah Two or three. Yeah, I don't know. So um, when the investigation started, there were tons of uh, persons of interest that were identified. Um, One specifically was a 15-year-old, and he was identified because he was caught with a 22 caliber gun in, like, close to the mall that was nearby. I know. So the police investigated, or sorry, they questioned him, and eventually he was ruled out, um, but... The reason that he was ruled out was because they believed that he was really just trying to get out of the gun charge. So he started naming all of these other teenagers that like, oh, this this guy did it, this guy did it. And they were like, oh, he's just trying to give information to get out of getting this gun charge. Yeah. So they kind of like dismissed him. Um, but then years later, a new detective came on the case and he thought that that 15-year-old and the teenagers that he implicated were actually appropriate suspects for Hmm. this murder so he conducted interrogations of them and um the teenagers well years later they were like in their 20s 
Um, they were Robert Springsteen, Maurice Pierce, Forrest Walborn, and Michael Scott. Not The Office, Michael Scott. Michael Scott. Um, so they interrogated them, and they he actually got confessions from all four of these boys. What? However, the issue with the interrogation and the confessions was that when these boys were questioned back in 1991, there was no documentation or video evidence of their interrogation. So there's no record of what was said to them in those in, in that questioning. So these new confessions, the detectives didn't know if they were speaking because they had knowledge being the killers or if it was information True. that was provided to them during the interrogation in the 90s. But regardless... But I feel like that's a big difference, though. Yeah. Like, confessing and knowing information. Right, right. Because, you know, in these, like, high-profile cases, a lot of information isn't released to the public because they're like, only the killer would know X, Y, and Z. True. So... Um, but regardless, they got their confessions, um, and two of the men were sent to trial. Um, now, I th- one of the podcasts I listened to about this case, I believe they said that the when they were interrogated the second time, they were in- interrogated for like 12 hours straight. Oh my god. And then another time they were interrogated for like another 10 hours and at some point a detective held a gun against one of the boys. What? Yeah, like it was a very coerced confession. I guess. A little bit. Just a little bit. Um so but whatever, they went to trial um and two of the men were actually convicted. Um wow. one was sentenced to life and the other was sentenced to death. How- what? However, it was later found out that the prosecution violated the confrontation clause. So then I had to do some legal research. Oh. So the confrontation clause, this is straight from Wikipedia, is <laughs> um, of the Sixth Amendment to the United States Constitution provides that, quote, in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to be confronted with the witnesses against him. Um, so... They violated this clause, meaning that there were no witnesses that identified these two men, and they went to trial 100% based off of their confessions. They had no other evidence, no uh, circumstantial evidence, no physical evidence. Basically, what the prosecution did was like talk about how gruesome the murder scene was and how horrible it was, and these two men confessed to it, but literally had zero evidence to connect the murders to them besides their confession interesting so since there were no witnesses to provide testimony there they were in viol- the prosecution was in violation of the confrontation clause so because of that the two men were freed in 2009 um the prosecution said they were going to retry them um but in this meantime dna evidence was tested on the girls and it showed that the dna that they obtained did not match any of the four men that were implicated wow. and so the prosecutor's like fine we won't retry them I was like fine <laughs> fine um legal experts also did not believe that the four teenage boys did it um the four girls and this isn't really evidence but they said like the four girls were very like feisty and fiery and they were part of like um like future farmers of america so they were like very like 
into like I don't know like I don't want to say like it seemed independent independent and like they were they could stand up for themselves and the four boys teenagers at the time they were described to be like pretty scrawny so people were like oh the girls would have you know held their own they would have taken over them but at the same time I was like well if someone has a gun like yeah maybe it wouldn't work that way that's just like what legal experts are saying I don't really know how much I buy into they would have protected themselves theory but yeah um but um also there was also uh, a store next to the yogurt shop I don't know what kind of store it was but they were also open late and the person that was closing up that store they said that they, they didn't hear anything going down at the yogurt shop they didn't hear a uh, ruckus or commotion or anything they did hear a couple of pops which assuming assuming is like the gunshots mm-hmm. but they said there was no struggle so that would make it appear as though the assailants had complete control over the situation it wasn't like a robbery gone bad it wasn't like a struggle it was like we have guns we're going to do whatever and that's kind of how it looked like it went down um there were also two other men that were um looked at for this in the serious nature so this is in the fall of 1992 two men were um arrested in the area for unrelated kidnapping and sexual assault charges um, and they were arrested in mexico Hmm. one of the men um looked like a witness testimony of what one of the two men looked like that was in the yogurt shop um so when they were initially uh interrogated by austin police officers they denied any involvement in the murders um, but then when Mexican authorities questioned them, then they confessed. Again, mm. I don't know what happened in these interrogations. Um, but once the Austin Police Department did more investigating, they found that they did not match any of the evidence that they received from the crime scene. And then, so then the Austin Police Department re-questioned them, and then they recanted their statements. Oh, I wonder what happened in Mexico. something shady happened in Mexico something real shady Um, another um, you know person of interest was a man named Kenneth Allen McDuff so he was actually an active serial killer in the area of Austin during the time of the yogurt shop murders so when which I didn't look up his murders I'd have to see like what his Emma was in his serial killer status but um but when they questioned him about it he said that he didn't do it he said if i had done it i would have owned up to it he's like i would have taken credit for it like bragging rights type of bullshit god um but he was actually scheduled for execution on november 17th 1998 and on his way to execution he confessed that he did do the yogurt shop murders get a life but there was absolutely Uh no evidence to connect him to it and everyone believes that he confessed in order to delay his execution obviously definitely um in total this is what i think is wild but in total throughout this investigation over 50 people confessed to the murders oh my god and they were all ruled out now i understand confessing in an interrogation where it's like under duress or intimidated, uh, yeah, uh, but I just like do not get people who just want 
to confess to a murder to be associated with the crime. Like I just, I, I don't yeah. understand it. I really don't. The only time that I like even remotely understand it is if you're already like in jail, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and maybe you'll get some kind of a like lesson lessening on your sentence or something. Like that's it's not or right. That's not a good thing. But yeah, or you're bored, or you're a like psychopath, yeah. like that's then it makes a little more sense than just being like you know what i want to be famous that's so stupid like i just don't that's a lot of people to confess to a murder that they didn't a lot um and then this case is actually kind of in well i mean it it is interesting but there's actually been some recent updates on this case so on december 8th 2021 the House Judi- Judiciary Committee passed legislation for, from Representative Michael McCall that gave families of cold case victims the opportunity to petition the federal government to re-examine cases older than three years old, which is interesting because usually, I believe, any cold cases just goes to the local police department investigating it. But as of 2021, if there's a cold case of greater than three years, then family can ask the federal government to look into the cold case. Wow. Which the federal government obviously has a lot more resources. Then, in February 5th, 2022, it was announced that advanced DNA technology was bringing investigators, quote, closer than ever to solving the crime. Then, on August 3rd, 2022, like literally three weeks ago, Um, President Joe Biden signed the Homicide Victims Families Rights Act into law, and that was motivated by the yogurt shop murders. Oh, my God. So this law is intended to help ensure federal law enforcement reviews sometimes decades-old cases, case files, and applies the latest technologies and investigative standards. Um, The logistics of the bill aren't really clear. Um, It says, obviously, like I said, cold case murder cases can be reviewed by federal agencies, um, the nice thing is with this case is that if this case qualifies under this um, act, then a new set of eyes will be looking at this case and the most recent and up-to-date technology will be used to help That's awesome. solve this case. So this crime is um, obviously over 30 years old. Um, who knows if the murderers are still alive at this point. Um, but I think it's one of the cases that cold cases that will get solved. It seems like it's on the brink of being solved. It's, yeah, it feels that way. Yeah, and I, I would venture to say if uh, a murderer or two murderers killed four people in the '90s, there's no way they didn't commit another crime in the next 30 right. years. So, I guarantee their DNA is in the system. It's just a matter of, or a relative of them is in the system. It's just a matter of connecting them and. Hopefully, these, this quadruple murder will be solved 30 years later. Um, but that's that's the yogurt shop murders. Do you think that it will be um, someone that confessed? Or do you think it would be someone that hasn't confessed? I think it's someone who hasn't confessed. Because I don't... Yeah. Like, like I think... Because I think everyone that did confess, they actually checked out. And then they couldn't connect yeah. any evidence to them. Um, because, like, I feel like if you... Who confesses to a murder if you can get away with it? Unless there, you have some reason to confess, like you said. Right, what's the point? Right, like, right. Like, you're bored with, like, living a free life. You'd rather go to jail. Like, Yeah. <laughs> and I think 
because it's in Texas too. Like Texas obviously has the death penalty, so they're not going to confess to a quadruple murder when they're going to get fucking executed for it. That's true. I just like I don't know why take that chance. Yeah, seems a little risky. Yeah, but I didn't know until I started researching this that there was like really recent um, updates on this case. I didn't either. So. Um, and there was like a, a, a kind of like a famous billboard of these of the four girls and um, it just had like their four pictures and it said like do you know who killed our girls and it's like no so sad and like the two were siblings like they were sisters oh. and I can't imagine like, their family losing two daughters at once it's just like in such a gruesome oh. way <sighs> that's so sad it is really sad but yeah, this is like one of those cases that is on a lot of um, true crime podcasts. I think just because of the gruesome yeah. nature of it. And... Poor things at a yogurt shop of all places, I like know, just enjoying sure. their time. Just teenagers working, making a few extra bucks. Seriously, probably like giggling. Uh, yeah. Oh man, that's really sad. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. Mine's sad too. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> we really know how to bring it yeah after a week two week hiatus <laughs> they're like let's talk about lots of murder <laughs> um did you see i don't know if you follow his facebook page but did you see bryce laspisa has been he's been missing for nine years now wow i thought you were gonna tell me that he was found i was like get the fuck out of here well so i follow him on i follow his like family's page on facebook I, when I was researching, I just like came, I went on there for info, and I saw his picture pop up. I'm like, "You got to be fucking kidding me!" <laughs> they found him, and they were like, "Today is the ninth year anniversary." I'm like, "Jesus, that is so sad." You know, I think about that one a lot. I but... legit think about that case like probably like once a month. Oh my god! And when I saw his face, I'm like, "Oh, maybe there's nothing." I feel so bad for that family. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I did mine. I thought that I also thought that we did this too. <laughs> We're like running out of topics. You know what? I we say that, but then when I I looked up like in I looked up mysterious disappearances the other day, and the first one of on the list, I'm like, I don't know who that is. Like, I had no clue, no clue. So I'm like, I don't think we're actually running out of topics. I think. No, unfortunately, we live in America where there's a plentiful amount of murders and missing people. Oh, my God. All the time. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so I did the disappearance murder combo of Dorothy Jane Scott. Hmm. Don't think I know this one. I didn't know this one beforehand. It's... It's weird. Oh, I love a weird one. I mean, I don't love it. I don't love that people are missing, but... Yeah. You know well, what I mean. Yeah. So, Dorothy Jane Scott, she was born on April 23rd, 1948. She was said to be, like, pretty quiet, um, very kind. Her brother, in one of the podcasts that I was listening to, her brother said that she was, like, the epitome of giving. Like, she yeah. would just give to anyone anything uh she's also a very devout christian and she lived a pretty simple life one of her friends actually described her social life as 
boring as a phone book. Oh, no. So. I feel like that's me. <laughs> I, I know it's not. I feel like, why would you say that about your friend? How mean. <laughs> but, like, so Dorothy was a single mother. So I think that she didn't really have any other options than to have True. a boring social life. Um, she lived in Stanton, California, and she lived with her aunt and her four-year-old son, Sean. And Sean's father, Dennis, was not in the picture. He just was not in the picture. That's I don't know why I put it the way that, wrote it the way that I did, but he was out of the picture. He had no involvement in either of their lives, so she worked pretty hard. Um, she was a secretary for two Anaheim stores. So, like, the way that I picture these stores is like a strip mall, kind of, mm-hmm. but like a small strip mall. Um, so they were two stores. Uh, one was a psychedelic items oh. store. It sold like lo- well, this was in 1980, mm-hmm. so like around when this all happened. So it sold like love beads was one of the things. I don't know what that is. Lava lamps, like Ooh. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and this was called Swinger Psych Shop. Oh, swingers! Swingers. And then next door was a head shop called Custom John's Head Shop. Oh, she was a cool mom. Yeah, which I think is, like, interesting because she's so, like, Christian and stuff. But I guess she still liked fun stuff. She's a fun Christian. She's a fun Christian, a cool mom. Cool. (laughs) So she got this job because Swingers used to actually be owned by her dad, Jacob. Jacob had since retired, but Dorothy kept her job there as the secretary. Um, so her parents, who lived in Anaheim, they would babysit their grandson, Sean, while Dorothy worked. So the, he was there pretty often, of course. Um, Scott's... Fa- or, yeah. Dorothy's father, Jacob, said, you know, he kind of reiterated what her friends said about her and her brother that she lived a pretty quiet life she pretty much went to work home and church she didn't go out much and she dated he said she dated on occasion but had no steady boyfriend as far as the family was aware Mm -hmm. in the early months of like of 1980 dorothy began to receive disturbing persistent phone calls yeah you know and she said that when she started getting the phone calls that she recognized the voice of who it was. It was a man's voice and she had heard it before, but she couldn't pinpoint who it was, but she knew she had heard it okay. before. So this is a total aside of this again. Yes. I'm just not on track with anything, but so this is not funny. Her situation was not funny. But this reminded me of something that happened to me when I was in college. Oh, God. So when I went on vacation, I would go on vacation with Chelsea's family. Mm -hmm. And we were in Ocean City, Maryland. Mm -hmm. And every night when we were in Ocean City, Maryland, we got, I would get these text messages of like the lyrics to 80s songs, like 80s love songs. Yeah. 
and the the person would end it with like have a great night the midnight mystery man Ew. And, <laughs> Ew. and he did it some he did the midnight mystery man would do this every night when we were on vacation but only when you were on vacation only when i was on vacation oh my god so i'm like I would say that I'm 95% sure that I know who did it. And I think it was my friend in college's brother. Okay. Who, like, not to chew my own horn, but, like, had a crush on me. Yeah. And we went out on, like, one date. And, like, we're pretty sure it was him, which if it was him, it was funny and not weird. Like, right, But right. to this day, I still don't know who the Midnight Mystery Man is. Midnight Mystery Man, if you're listening, come forward. Come forward now. <laughs> The Midnight Mystery Man. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we know who it is. And Chelsea's like, you know it was him. And I'm like, no, actually, I never found out. That's so and weird. I, Why I did actually only, asked only him. Why did do it while you were on vacation? I don't know. Weird. It was just song lyrics, and then he'd be like, have a great night. Enjoy your time. Love the Midnight Mystery Man. I'm like... <laughs> did he sound like that like, No. <laughs> it would be like at 6 p.m. <laughs> And I remember I asked this guy, I think his his name was Jimmy. And he was like, no, I didn't do it. That's stupid. <laughs> okay. I, um, I didn't get text messages, but when I was, I think in high school, maybe like beginning of college, I received like secret admirer um, notes <gasps> in, the, in the mail, in the post. No, you did not. But I knew exactly who it came from. Who was it? Tell I can't say. I don't want to embarrass anyone. No, tell. No. All right, I'll cut it out. Just tell me. I don't think you know him. Oh well. Like is this this kid I went to high school with? He he, but he had a crush on like every girl like in my grade. Like I can name like five girls he had crushes on. But I'm like, why are you yeah. going around? Like, I'm, also, if you have a crush on me. What do you think you're going to do? Send me a secret admirer thing. Like, I'm not going to... Like, nothing. I'm not supposed to know it's you. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> so dumb. I remember getting it. I was but, like, what the fuck is this? Right. No, it's... Like, why do people do that? You are weird. Yeah, I... It just reminded me of that. And I'm like, you know, it was a good thing that it was not creepy. I mean, it was a little creepy, but, like, funny... Yeah. And it only lasted for like five days while I was at the beach. So it was like a fun little thing that we would laugh about. But yeah, but who knows? I don't No, No, it did not. Fortunately, it did not end the way that yes. Dorothy's ends. Um, so back to Dorothy. The, the caller was a little hot and cold with her. Mm-hmm. He... He would alternately profess his love for her and he would tell her like he would say how much he is he admires her and he whatever like likes a bunch of you know whatever Mm -hmm. different things about her oh my god I didn't even see you there (sighs) and but he then would also sometimes tell her that he wanted to kill her oh so he also the caller also knew a lot about her Mm. like a lot about her he knew her schedule he knew where she was 
at any given moment. He knew what she was wearing every day. Um, we don't talk about this a lot, but I think stalking cases are like one of the most terrifying things. Like, I oh, I agree. Like I, I would be terrified, obviously, if someone stalked me. Like someone being so enamored with a normal Ugh. human being and knowing their where they go, like a, just too much. I just can't. I can't imagine caring that much without being insane like you know? feeling like you always have eyes on you yeah oh i couldn't do it uh-uh. so one one of the stories that dorothy's mom actually talked about excuse me uh was that one day she was at home and the caller called her at home and he said well i guess technically all of these calls were at home because right. we didn't have cell phones yeah so he called her and he said to go outside because he had something for her so like weirdly dorothy went outside i don't know i don't know that i would do that but um she went out and there's one single dead rose on the (gasps) windshield of her car the fact that it was dead for what yeah for what ew so another time he called her and told her this is the quote okay now you're going to come my way. When I get you alone, I will cut you up into little bits and no one will find you. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. So he was real hot and cold with, with yeah. her. So, I don't know. Dorothy just didn't seem to do a whole lot about this. I mean, I guess probably there's not much you can do. Especially back then. I don't think there was stalking laws back then. No. But the caller just kind of continued to harass her and tell her different things about her life and what she was doing and how he liked her outfit that day and stuff like that. So because of the calls, Dorothy, she considered getting a gun, but she was very like, she's vehemently against buying a gun ownership, mostly because... She had a four-year-old son. Right, right. And she was concerned for his safety. Sure. But she did start taking karate lessons for self-defense. Wow. Just to feel safe. Which is so scary. Yeah. <coughs> this is a- so on May 28th, 1980, at 9 p.m., Dorothy was at a- an employee meeting at work. And sh- her and... Her other co-workers at the meeting noted that one of her, one of their co-workers, a man named Comrade Bostrin, didn't look very good. Like, he looked sick mm-hmm. and, like, pale. Uh, and he had a weird red rash on his arm that seemed to be spreading. So her and another co-worker, Pam Head, left the meeting to take Conrad to the emergency room at the UC Irvine Medical Center. So on the way to the hospital, they stopped by Dorothy's parents' house to check on Sean, her son, okay. which is was a little weird, but yeah. whatever. She went in, she checked on Sean, and while she checked on Sean she, in the house, she she went in, she was wearing a black scarf. When she came out, she was wearing a red scarf. Okay. Which are the people she was with were like, mm, that's weird, but yeah. okay. So at the hospital, they got they got Conrad to the hospital and the medical personnel determined that he had suffered from a black widow spider bite. <gasps> which if you're not from around 
Well, yeah, if you're not from California, I feel like it's like, um, what are the spiders that are gross around here that are really bad? Can we have a brown widow? Spider? Something like, brown recluse. Yeah, brown recluse, yeah. So, yeah, they're, but a black widow, I think, is much worse. I, yeah, I think they are really deadly. They can kill you. Yeah. Yeah. So, they treated him there at the hospital, and I guess he was okay. And Pam said she and Dorothy were in the ER waiting room. Mm-hmm. And Pam said that Dorothy was with her the whole time. Neither of them, like, left each other. I think maybe, like, to go to the bathroom. Right. It was the only time. So, Con... And they just kind of, like, sat there and chatted and read magazines and so, you know, waiting room stuff. And Conrad was discharged at about 11 p.m. And he was given a prescription. And Dorothy offered to bring her car to the exit of the hospital to pick him up so he didn't have to walk. And... Because he was still not feeling great. So Pam said that Dorothy used the restroom restroom briefly before heading out to the parking lot. And Pam and Conrad went to fill his prescription and they waited at the exit for Dorothy. So when they were waiting at the exit, they saw Dorothy's car driving towards them. But like the car was driving super, super fast Mm -hmm. and the headlights were on. So it was like really bright. And they waved her, waved her down, kind of to like pick us up. But the headlights were so bright that they couldn't, they couldn't actually see that it was her driving the car. But they just assumed it was her. But she sped past them, and they were like waving their arms, and they're like, "Uh huh, pick us up." But she, or whoever was driving, took a sharp right turn out of the parking lot. So they, at first, were like, probably some, maybe there was an emergency with her son. Right. Like, maybe something happened. She had to leave really quick. So Pam and Conrad waited there for two hours. Two hours? Yeah. At 11 o'clock at night? Yeah. I'd be out of So there. they waited till 1 a.m. Oh, my God. Before they headed back into the hospital to report what had happened to a security guard. Which, in my opinion, is a waste of time. All right. Well, security, like, okay, your friend ditched you. Yeah, who cares? Seriously. So, then they officially, I guess, they must have called the police there. They reported Dorothy as a missing person. That was quick. And police were like, if she wanted to leave you guys there, she's allowed. Like, that's fine. They didn't really, of course, you know, police... They, I guess her parents had also reported her as missing when they heard what happened. Mm-hmm. And they're like, listen, no. Like, she's not like that. She wouldn't do that. Right. She's just not that kind of a person. And they're like, maybe she has a boyfriend and she just, like, ran off and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, mm, no. No, she wouldn't do that. She's not that kind of girl. Yeah, so she, she was missing. Um, at about 4.30 a.m. on May 29th, Dorothy's car, a white 1973 Toyota station wagon, was found burning in an alley about 10 miles from the hospital. And neither Dorothy nor her alleged maybe-ish kidnapper were nearby. Because it was pretty automatically assumed that she was kidnapped. Sure. 
Okay, yeah, so nobody was nearby. So she is considered still a missing person. About a week after Dorothy disappeared, her parents received a phone call from an unidentified man who said, I've got her and hung up. The same man called almost every Wednesday for four years. Oh, my God. And he would say that they, he either he had Dorothy or he had killed Dorothy. And the calls were, were very brief. And they usually, well, they almost only occurred when Vera, Dorothy's mother, was home alone. Creepy. Yeah. So in April of 1984, the man called during the evening and Jacob, Dorothy's dad, was home. And he answered the phone and no, and the guy didn't say anything. Oh, God. And then the calls stopped. Oh, it gave me, like, chills. I know. Weird. So in April of 1984, the man, or no, I'm sorry, that's right. So the man finally called. So for freaking four years, he called this poor family. And then, yeah, when he, when Jacob answered, he was like, no, and then the calls stopped. So in August of 19, August 6, 1984, a construction worker discovered a dog. And underneath the dog were human bones. (gasps) It was about 30 feet from Santa Ana Canyon Road, and the bones were partly charred, and authorities believe that they had been there for about two years, as a bushfire had, there was a bushfire in 1982, so Mm -hmm. that's like where, you know, she could have gotten burned. A turquoise ring was found, and a watch was also found near the area, and the watch had stopped on at 12.30 a.m. on May 29th, about an hour after Pam and Conrad no. saw her vehicle. Isn't that so weird? Oh, God. When I heard that, I was like, Ugh. Yeah. I always find it weird. Like, there's been other cases where their watches stopped at, like, the time right. they were. And I'm just like, how? Do, I don't know how watches work. Like, I don't, I guess I don't they, they, like, smashed the watch. I don't know. Maybe, but yeah. like, isn't it weird that it just stopped? Yeah. I guess it's different now. If you have an Apple Watch, like it stops because you have no pulse if you're dead. True. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's not you're just funny, dead. But... but it's a little funny. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I hope it said like goodbye or something. I don't have it's an like, Apple Watch. It's like uh, the aim uh, sound of the door closing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want when they close my casket. <laughs> okay, I'll make a mental note of it. Please. <laughs> Tell Remy it's in my will. <laughs> They'll be like, what the fuck is an aim door closing? Chris <laughs> 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 <Those> are weird. <laughs> R- so, Remy, you only get Marissa Cliff's money if you have the if. aim door <laughs> closed. You're my only... And what's what's the word? Beneficiary. You're my only beneficiary, but there's a condition. You have to do a list of stupid things for me. Like, Ew. So I didn't know this was a thing, but I was reading an article and they explained it a little bit more because I was like, what's with the dog, Sitch? Like, yeah, why is there a dog there? What Random what's dog. the purpose? So I guess it's actually a thing that 
murderers do it it's in order to trick police dogs so like people looking to hide bodies will bury them under the body of a dog or like another animal which causing the police to see it as a false positive if a dog alerts to another like they would dig so far and they'd see the dog and they'd be like oh well that's not it that's not the body that's a dog like it's different I don't know. It seems like there's other ways murderers can throw off the police. It seems like a little bit much. It seems but... a little rudimentary to me. Yeah. It's, they're like, oh, you just dig till they find the animal carcass. Weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the murder victim would be buried underneath it. So. Like, leave the dog out of it. Seriously, we don't need to kill the dog. On August 14th, the bones were unfortunately identified as Dorothy's. By her dental records. Damn. And an autopsy could not determine the cause of her death. Right. It just bones. Because it was a long time. Yeah. And a memorial service was held on August 22nd. So, on June 12th, this is going backwards a little bit. June 12th, 1980, Dorothy's parents went to the press against the police's recommendations which like why yeah why would you not do that and when they published a new a newspaper article the newspaper office station i don't know yeah newspaper yeah yeah place (laughs) where they make newspapers yeah the the newspaper place (laughs) they received a phone call and in the the phone call was from an unidentified man who called the front desk at the Orange County Register. And the managing editor told police that the man said, I killed her. I killed Dorothy Scott. She was my love. I caught her cheating with another man. She denied having someone else. I killed her. Okay. So the editor also said that this is the part that's weird and threw me off a little bit. The editor said that the caller knew that Dorothy had been wearing a red scarf <gasps> and that she had changed her black scarf to a red scarf after her he meeting. He was following her all night. Yeah. <gasps> um, he also knew about the Black Widow spider bite. So he was at the party. I don't know. Or at the hospital. So... So there's a couple like weird theories here. So the first theory, the one that I like the most, because not that I like it the most, but the first theory that I heard was that Pam and Conrad Uh were actually in on this. So there's like nothing. It's like part of a thing that I a podcast that I heard. I think Stephanie. It was Stephanie Harlow. You know how I love her. And so she was saying that there's a a theory that what a great alibi this is for them. So nobody, there were no, no no one ever had records of Conrad being at the hospital. The only people that knew that Conrad was at the hospital, I don't know that they looked into it this far, but like it was just the three of them at the hospital. Mm Mm-hmm. They come out. Dorothy gets the car. 
They're like, oh, my God, the lights were so bright. We couldn't even see her. Yeah. Alibi. Mm. She's gone for she didn't come back for two hours. And they waited at the hospital for two hours. Alibi. Mm -hmm. Then they told went in and told security about it, which like, Mm. why would they do that? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Like, but that's a great alibi. And I'm like, shit, that's so good. Like. And they knew, like, how else would they know the details about the spider bite right, and the scarf, right, and like, right. unless they were there. So I'm like, hmm, that's what a pretty good What would be their motive? One. I have no idea. Maybe there was, like, a love affair. Who knows? No. I don't, there's no answers to this case, so everything's purely speculation. Yeah. Um, there's also another theory that, about a man named Mike Butler. So at Swinger's psych shop, there was a man who sometimes came in. His name was Mike Butler and his sister worked at the shop as well. And he had been obsessed. He was like in love with Dorothy. Like he was yeah. obsessed with her and he lived in the mountains and it was rumored that he was unstable and perhaps involved with cult activities. Of course. And Dorothy's son, Sean to this day believes that Mike Butler is the man that killed Stockton killed his mother. Oh. Now Butler had run across Dorothy's father before, which would make sense if you think about the phone call situation. Because because Dorothy's father used to run the shop, mm-hmm. he would have known Mike Butler as the customer. Right. So he would have recognized Mike Butler's voice. Oh yeah. Which is perhaps why the man didn't pick up the phone when Jacob called. Right, right. And also why Dorothy might have recognized the voice, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. not, like, been like, oh, I know him. Right, right, right. Um, He also had the opportunity to follow her, and he knew her schedule because it linked up with his sister's schedule, and he was at the shop all the time. But there's no hard evidence to back it up. It's just a theory. Dang. And then I I believe that Sean oh Dennis, Sean's father was suspected. Mm-hmm. But he had an airtight alibi. Uh, he was like halfway across the country or something that uh-huh. that time. And <coughs> there was also another, excuse me. There there aren't many leads at all on it, but there was one that came up during investigations in 1982. That two years after Dorothy vanished, a woman named Pat- Patricia Schneider went missing. She made a call. She made a call saying that her car had broken down and then she disappeared. And her car was found a few hours later on fire in a field. There's no sign of her at the scene, and she was instantly suspected of being kidnapped. Mm-hmm. But those are the only leads on that case. This case, no. and both of her parents passed away right. and they never found out. So there's been like no arrests or anything on anyone. Nothing. Dang. She is it's an unsolved so weird. Right? Like, there's so many point like different parts of this one. The the theory with what what's her face is Patty and Yeah, and with Pam and Pam, Oh yeah, yeah, Pam and whoever. That one is so interesting. I just like, don't know why they would do it. It doesn't make any sense. 
And can you imagine if they didn't do it and people are like tearing them apart? Like, why did they wait two hours? They're like, I don't know. I didn't. We just did. Yeah. But like, okay, you got to think about like, I don't think I, but the other thing is too, when I was, I was talking about this, I was sometimes when I'm doing something, I, I will like tell Cliff about it so I can make sense of it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, also they didn't have Uber back then. Right. Cause like now you just be like, oh, I'll just call an Uber. She's gone, but like we'll find her eventually. Yeah, but they could have called a cab. They still had cabs. True. And this is what city is this? Anaheim. Oh, so like they're like in a major city too. They definitely could have called a cab. That's true. Like I definitely wouldn't have it's waited weird. two hours. And then no, I don't know. Like, and this is the east, so they probably didn't really have like security cameras or anything so like who's to say that they were actually waiting outside for two hours exactly went somewhere and they all the only people that saw them was them because they weren't in the hospital they're waiting outside Mm, sketch it's weird yeah doesn't sit right because i definitely would not have waited to like if someone ditched me somewhere i'd wait max like 20 minutes seriously wouldn't wait outside for two hours and also, like, if there, if I, at if, 11 o'clock if at I night. thought, yeah, if it was maybe like in the afternoon or something and I had nothing else to do, like, maybe, I don't know. Maybe like an hour. Out. Yeah. And also, if it was like, if I thought there was something wrong with her son, if I was like, oh, something must have happened, I don't think I would be like expecting her to come back. Right, right. Yeah, something's up. I don't like it. That that one for some reason just made the most sense to me. Yeah, there's too many questions in their whole story. And like the fact that the the girl that she was with Pat was like, "Oh yeah, she never let or Pam." Mm-hmm. She's like, I, "She never left my side the whole night. There's no way anyone would have known about this." Right. Blah blah blah. But then I'm like, would he have given himself a black widow spider bite? That's the thing, like, the Black Widow, <clears throat> the Black Widow spider bite is what gets you. Yeah. Because why would he, who knows? It's a weird one. It's a very weird one. The scarf thing, I wonder why she changed her scarf, too. What's weird, the point of that? Yeah, it's a weird detail. Unless, like, her but, kid was, like, sick and threw up on it or something. I don't know. That could be. Maybe that's why she went home. Yeah. Like, maybe he wasn't feeling good. Right. And she wanted to check on him. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So that's the Dorothy Jane Scott case. Well, thanks. Thanks for that. Of course. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> All right. Any other... Uh, uh, what was the word I want to say? Any other topics that we need to cover? Any other matters of business? Mm. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we got everything. Yeah, I mean, if I think of anything, I'll tell you next week. <laughs> All right, well, then we'll wrap it up. So, oh. thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and email us at butwhatdoweknowpod at gmail.com and leave us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. Yay. Okay, bye. Hey, bye. What do we know, but what do we know? What do we know, but what do we know?